Today on the Winnipeg Foundations Because Radio, we recognize and honor the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Hello and welcome to the Winnipeg Foundations Because Radio. My name is Robert Zirk. And I'm Sunny Promolo. Today's program is premiering on September 30th, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The Winnipeg Foundation is on a journey of truth and reconciliation and is committed to learning and evolving as we pursue social justice and equity for all. Today on Because Radio, we are highlighting stories that focus on truth and reconciliation in the community and hope that you will join us as we listen, learn, and reflect. For those who need support, the Indian Residential School Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day toll-free at 1-866-925-4419. Support is also available through the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, toll-free at 1-800-721-0066. Up first, we will revisit a vital conversation held by the Winnipeg Foundation and the Sacred Seven Youth Council of Mama Wichita Centre, which was called Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action, with keynote speaker, the Honourable Murray Sinclair. His honour is a former member of the Canadian Senate and served as chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada from 2009 to 2015. In his keynote at Lighting the Way Forward, the Honourable Murray Sinclair shared his insights on a nation's journey of truth and reconciliation. Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio. In 2019, the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with the Mama Way Sacred Seven Youth Council, hosted a vital conversation called Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action. Keynote speaker, the Honorable Murray Sinclair, was a member of the Senate at the time of the event. His honor was the first Indigenous judge appointed in Manitoba, and served Manitoba's justice system for more than 25 years. His honour also served as chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada and as co-chair of the Aboriginal Justice Inquiry in Manitoba. Senator Sinclair delivered a very poignant and insightful keynote on reconciliation in Canada and on the nation's journey. He noted that understanding the truth is the foundation of reconciliation, and it goes back to how residential schools were about indoctrinating, not educating. What the schools were all about were indoctrinating Indigenous children into being something that they were not born to be, and that is white kids. They were being indoctrinated into believing that they were like every other non-Indigenous kid in the country, that they had to follow the Bible, that they had to accept that their teachings came from that book, that everything that they had been told by their mothers, their fathers, their grandmothers, their grandfathers, every ceremony that they had ever seen, that everything that they had ever heard about their people was not only wrong, but it was the work of the devil. They were told that it was something that they needed to be ashamed of, when you look at the curriculum materials that were used in the residential schools going back to the turn of the last century, 
you don't see one positive reference to indigenous people. And the worst part of it was that some of that worked its way into the public schools of this country. So that those who went to public schools, they were taught the same thing. They were taught that indigenous people were inferior and could not be trusted, and that their culture was irrelevant. Beginning of the story of Canada, according to the public schools, began with the arrival of European settlers, European explorers. Never mind that indigenous people had been here for thousands and thousands of years. Even now, archaeologists are still moving the date back and that their teachings go back that far. And those teachings were denied to those young children who went to the residential schools. And those teachings were also denied to the young indigenous children who went to the public schools. But they were also denied to the non-indigenous children who went to those public schools. And those non-indigenous children were taught to believe that they had no history worth talking about. Whether that was taught directly or by inference, they never talked about that story. The indoctrination perpetuated by residential schools continued to affect attitudes in government and in society over the years and over generations. Senator Sinclair recalled discussions that he had in 2009 with parties to the settlement agreement to clarify what exactly they meant and what they wanted to accomplish by reconciliation. I have to say that the Indigenous leadership and the Indigenous survivors were kind of confused by the term. They didn't know if it meant trying to recreate a peaceful existence that never existed before, whether it meant forgiveness, whether it meant just moving on. But from the church side and the government side, it was very clear what they meant by conciliation, and that is reconciliation was for Indigenous people to do, not for us. Those representatives who came to that table from the government and church side believed that they had done what they should have done, which is create a pot of money, distribute the money, agree to pay compensation, make an apology, and off we go. You guys get on with your lives. Forget about the past now. Let's get going. It's for you to change. They thought, actually, that the residential school settlement agreement and reconciliation was about finishing the work that they had started through the residential schools. There was a, an element of that in the conversations and the dialogue. They couldn't quite grasp that maybe, just maybe, reconciliation meant that the perpetrators had to change. Senator Sinclair likened the use of law to oppress Indigenous peoples to a psychologically abusive relationship and the concept of gaslighting, where the victim is made to believe that it's all their fault and that the perpetrator is not only doing nothing wrong, but that they've tried to help. Reconciliation means addressing those things and more. Reconciliation is going to be harder than getting to the truth. It is founded upon a very simple concept. And that is that I want to be your friend. And I want you to be mine. And I want you to treat me like you would treat a friend. I want you to talk to and about me in a good, respectful way like you talk about your best friends. I want you to think of me when you need help. I want you to think of me when I need help. I want you to reach out and help me as I will reach out and help you. Reconciliation will help us create a relationship like that. 
But in order for that to happen, we have to address this long history, this long history that has evolved over the years, because it has created a high degree of mistrust and a high degree of mistrust on both sides, because they don't trust us, they being non-Indigenous leaders, don't trust us to be able to handle our own affairs. And Indigenous people don't trust the government to do the right thing, because they have often done the wrong thing. And that permeates our relationship with each other in the neighborhood level. It permeates us because we have not had an opportunity to have good dialogue in our neighborhoods. And that's the beginning. That's where it really needs to start. Senator Sinclair cautioned that to continue to move forward, we can't wait for government to take action. Reconciliation starts with us, with all Canadians, and with ensuring that the conversation continues. Our conversation is going to help our young people. The young people hold the key to reconciliation, and the way we educate them is important. We have to educate them in the schools of this country so that we all know where we come from. The four big questions of life, I always remind people, are things that we all grow up with needing to know. Where do I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? And who am I? Individually, we need to answer those questions and figure out through our elders, our family, our friends, how we can find those answers. But collectively as well, we need to figure out who we are as a country. Where did we come from as a country? Where are we going as a country? What does Canada look like in 50 years from now, 100 years from now? What do we want it to look like? Think of that. Ask yourself that question. Do we want to be at war with each other, verbally, emotionally, in the way that we are now? Do we want this mistrust to continue? Because if we don't, then we have to do something about it. And we have to teach our children how to trust each other, how to understand each other better, so that as they're growing up, when they sit across the table from us in those different positions of leadership, that they will have a basic trust for each other. Indigenous leaders at the time of treaty had that trust. They trusted the government representatives when they said certain things. They didn't know that they couldn't trust them. They didn't know that they would not hold to their words. Dialogues are important, as Senator Sinclair reiterated, and Canadians need to continue the conversation on reconciliation with friends, family, people around them, and the politicians canvassing for their votes, because the conversation and education hasn't gone on for long enough. We have a lot of work to do just to keep reminding people about that history, because my concern was, still continues to be, that we will forget about that if we don't keep talking about that. And we cannot forget that history. It has to be part of our national memory. That's why the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation at the University of Manitoba is so important, because it archives all of those statements and stories from survivors. And it contains all of the research that we did at the TRC. So keeping that in our national memory is important. But we also now need to start to establish centers for reconciliation across this country so that we will 
dedicate ourselves to changing our relationship in the best way we can. And it begins by acknowledging our survivors who are here and encouraging them to step forward and speak their truth because they have the lessons that we can learn from. We just heard excerpts from a keynote delivered by the Honorable Murray Sinclair at Lighting the Way Forward, a vital conversation held by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with the Mamaway Sacred Seven Youth Council. This past spring, his honor contributed an essay as part of our Next 100 series, sharing his vision for the future of Winnipeg. We invite you to read his essay by visiting wpgfdn.org slash next100. This week, the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation is presenting Truth and Reconciliation Week, a five-day national event that continues the important conversations from Every Child Matters, including the truths of the Indigenous treaties, First Nation, Métis, and Inuit land claims, and the residential school system. Today's focus is on Orange Shirt Day, and earlier in the week, sessions focused on treaties, land claims, and unceded territories, language and culture, and truth and reconciliation. Tomorrow, October 1st, there are two live stream events, one at 10.30 a.m. with Phil Fontaine, former National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, and at noon with the Honorable Murray Sinclair. You can watch those events live at the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation's YouTube channel, or if you're listening to a rebroadcast of this episode, you can find the recording on the NCTR YouTube channel as well. If you'd like to see the full schedule of events, including any of the previous events, please visit nctr.ca slash education slash trw. Again, that's nctr.ca slash education slash trw. Up next on the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio, Patricia Mainville, principal at Argyle Alternative High School and board member of the Winnipeg Foundation, will share her vision for Winnipeg's future in our ongoing series called Our Next 100. Winnipeg Foundation invited Winnipeggers to share their visions for Winnipeg's next 100 years and the potential role philanthropy might play. This is our next 100. Today we'll hear from Patricia Mainville, principal at Argyle Alternative High School and current board member of the Winnipeg Foundation, serving since 2017. The shared appreciation and inspiration of those who stood side by side in support of many projects proposed and funded brought to light a deeper understanding of reconciliation as a collective. Patricia Mainville is an Anishinaabe, a proud mother and grandmother. Having come from the history of intergenerational impacts because of the legacy of residential school, Patricia believes that nurturing cultural identity is important for our communities. Patricia is involved in her culture through dancing jingle dress at powwows and supports community through her work in education. Here is Patricia Mainville. 
Who am I? Where do I come from? What is my purpose? Where am I going? These questions were raised by the Honorable Murray Sinclair in his work on truth and reconciliation. He noted providing time and space to answer these questions is an important part of reconciliation. While work has begun to facilitate this important endeavor in a hundred years, I hope we are closer to helping all citizens find answers. In 2018, the Winnipeg Foundation announced its intention to fund a granting stream focused on supporting truth and reconciliation. I am chair of the committee struck to oversee the Reconciliation Grants Program. My role as part of the Winnipeg Foundation Board supports ongoing awareness, education, truth, of finding and healing to address the impacts of the residential school legacy and to support reconciliation. This journey has been profound for me personally as I and my descendants are impacted by residential school intergenerationally. Both my parents, two siblings, and many members of my extended family attended residential school. The Reconciliation Grants Program was developed following feedback from Winnipeggers as identified in the Winnipeg Vital Signs 2017. In early 2018, an advisory committee of Indigenous leaders was convened. This included Banyan Gagnon, Rob Genron, Dr. Trish Logan, Rob Riel, and Roxanne Shuttleworth, with additional assistance from Leah Gazan, Steve Grayeyes, and Sharon Pronto. As part of the conceptual framework, the Reconciliation Grants Program used the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People as an integral part of reference. The committee established policies and guidelines, reviewed applications, and recommended grant recipients. The process brought together many people who shared their personal experiences and or what they have witnessed in their communities as a result of residential schools. It utilized cultural interventions through the sharing of tobacco and included elders and knowledge keepers who were on hand to support healing and understanding. I have witnessed throughout this process, the sharing of personal pain, loss and trauma, which at times has been difficult. I have also witnessed gentle strength, integrity and resiliency of those who not only provided the support on this journey, but also provided an opportunity in reconciliation as defined by our cultural knowledge and interventions. In response to the call for grant applications, the community proposed many projects focused on addressing reconciliation through action. Successful projects range from art focusing on healing and education to land-based and hands-on learning that aims to strengthen and reconnect communities to Indigenous identity, culture, and healing. All projects invited different ways to begin to find answers to the Honorable Murray Sinclair's questions. The shared appreciation and inspiration of those who stood side by side in support of many projects 
proposed and funded brought to light a deeper understanding of reconciliation as a collective. This provided our journey with recognition, time and space to practice within our seven teachings, love, respect, courage, honesty, wisdom, humility, and truth. These actions inviting community participation, engaging indigenous leaders, embracing indigenous ways of knowing and being, utilizing best practices, making practice for conversation and truth and action are all vital in our journey forward. The Winnipeg Foundation acknowledges the generous support that philanthropy by various members of our community plays in truth and reconciliation. The philanthropic community's declaration of action which the Winnipeg Foundation signed in 2015, helped set the tone to support this work. Philanthropy has brought the passion and financial capacity to promote awareness, education, and healing within our community. In the next 100 years, I hope we will build on this understanding and strength. My name is Patricia Mainville, and this is my vision for Winnipeg for the next 100 years. Thanks, Patricia. Your essay starts with a series of questions. Who am I? Where do I come from? What is my purpose? And where am I going? How would you answer those questions? Who am I? This is a question that I'm continually reflecting on over the years and as I grow as a Indigenous grandmother, but as an educator and as um, a person who is passionate about change and having conversations and relationships that promote change in our community. Who am I? It's ever evolving on who I am, but I am a mother of four wonderful sons and a grandmother of 15 wonderful grandchildren and now a great grandmother of one that is almost two years old. So um, I'm also an educator. I think um, as, as a parent and as a grandmother and great grandmother, that is a part that is instilled in us is to educate and to share. Where do I come from? I'm an Anishinaabe Kwe. My name is Memizioe Bik Dishnikaz. I am from Treaty 3, uh, Kuchiching, First Nation. My mom is from Onigaming, Ontario. That is my roots and that is where I come from. What is my purpose? Um, I feel that my purpose is to create voice within myself, but also with others as an educator, creating that voice for our young people to be able to express who they are in various ways and to express their strengths and find their strengths. I think that um, creating relationships to be able to delve into the truth and finding who we are as a people, um, not just Indigenous people, but people in general, um, that 
within that exploration of who we are and finding our biases and reflecting on who we are continually to accept truth and seek out truth. I think that is my major purpose in life and having those conversations and relationships. Um, where am I going? Do you know what? I always say I'm going wherever the wind blows me. And I am a tr true believer in that it's taking me into, I, I've had some great experiences, met some great people that allow me to grow and challenge me to reflect who I am as a person, but also challenges me in, 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 in finding my truth and making change through action. So I truly believe as an educator and as a, as a mother and grandmother that we need to teach our young children to know where they are. And I've also said this to my students all throughout the years is that you have to know who you are in order to know where you're going. And I truly believe that uh, for all students, but especially so for in, our Indigenous students, um, that is the basis of, other, of truth and reconciliation, um, is that we, we explore who we are as Indigenous people and, and look at our strengths and build upon that. And I think I, I have learned that through being a jingle dress dancer and knowing um, what that brings and how it adds to my life and to the life of our families. And why is this series of questions important to ask? For myself, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, I think that um, with the, with with those questions, when we're talking about truth, I think truth is where we need to go in order to find or even get to the reconciliation piece. But um, with our young Indigenous people and with um, the current situation that's going on in regards to residential schools is that our young people need to find out their truth and find out where, where they are going but with that truth can bring anger. And in order to heal or be on that journey, because you never fully, it's, it's, it's a process and it's an ongoing process, but for our young people to be able to reach out to, to, their, to their, their traditions, their ceremony, their culture, their language, um, however they feel comfortable in exploring. I think it, it, it certainly centers and creates balance so that we are able to reconcile within ourselves and within our families. I think it has to come within first. That's my belief. How can individuals start and foster truthful conversations? I think that for us to start talking and having those truthful conversations is that we have to create those relationships and those spaces to be able to be open. But I think it's about listening, about listening. Um, sometimes we have that innate um, feeling of wanting to fix, right? Or wanting to 
or feeling guilty or feeling uh, that defensiveness. And that's not what getting to the truth is about. It's about creating those relationships and those open, safe spaces to be able to have those conversations. And sometimes it's just listening. It just takes that listening piece. Um, eventually, we'll get to that place where we can have that action um, to make change. But I think for everyone, that truth also, you have to do that inner work also to find your own truth, right? To be open to listening to others' truth. It's my belief that we need to um, be open and create those relationships and those spaces to be able to have those conversations. Thank you, Patricia, for sharing your vision with us today. Thank you. Our Next 100 is a series of essays envisioning Winnipeg's next 100 years, contributed by Winnipeggers and curated by the Winnipeg Foundation. If you would like to read more essays from Our Next 100, or listen to this episode again as a podcast, please visit wpgfdn.org slash next100. Thanks for listening. next on the Winnipeg Foundations Because Radio, we'll be joined by Nolan Bicknell, host of the Winnipeg Foundations Because and Effect podcast, to hear excerpts of the most recent episode and season finale with Kevin Lamaru, award-winning scholar, professor, public speaker, and advocate. Kevin joined Nolan to discuss his work within the education system here in Manitoba, how not to squander the gift of reconciliation from Indigenous peoples, and how we can heal as a nation once we reconcile with the truth of our history. Welcome back to Because Radio. Sunny Pomolo with you here today, and I'm now joined by Nolan Bicknell, host of the Winnipeg Foundation's long-form interview podcast, Because and Effect. Nolan, thanks for being here today. Hey, Sunny, thanks for having me back. So it's the season finale for the Because and Effect podcast, and each week we have you on the show to talk about your guest and bring some highlights from that episode. Who was the guest for your finale? Well, it's uh, someone I've wanted to speak with since the day we launched this podcast, uh, Kevin Lamaru. He's a university professor and a public speaker and an advocate and scholar and just so much more. Such a great conversation with a really great man. Fantastic. So what did you and Kevin talk about? Well, quite a bit. I was honored to have him on the show for about an hour. We chatted and we talked about everything from education to reconciliation uh, to the pandemic and vaccines, you know, we, we covered quite a bit of different topics. It was quite the chat. What did Kevin have to say about education? Well, he's back in a teaching role, but he actually spent a few years in the administration role. And uh, 
He recently took a trip to British Columbia to discuss their approach to education. And um, what he took from their model was very interesting. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things that I, I, uh, I have the good fortune in my career of being able to work with teachers across the country. And what a gift that is. That's, that's uh, wow. I, I can only stand back in awe at the opportunities I've been given to work with teachers and schools and, and people doing this work from coast to coast to coast. And one of the things that I respect about British Columbia is that they've invested heavily into social and emotional well-being, right? I think that Manitoba schools are very, very good, amongst the best in the world, in fact, at speaking from the head to the head. We can do that. And we're exceptionally good at that if students are in a place where they're ready, where they are ready for that kind of learning. I think that Bree C has recognized that not all kids come to school ready to, to engage uh, at that intellectual level, mostly because basic needs haven't been met through no fault of their own. Uh, but they also recognize that the intellect doesn't reflect the entire person and that the intellect doesn't represent uh, investing in the intellect doesn't ensure our economic vibrancy in the future. That being able to measure our academic, uh, you know, educational accomplishments through standardized tests doesn't guarantee a healthy economy. It doesn't guarantee that we're going to have um, citizens, say, for example, well enough inside of their hearts and minds to not be lured by the anti-vaxxers. Kevin mentioned the anti-vaxxers at the end of the clip there. So you obviously talked about the pandemic. What did Kevin say about the whole situation? Yeah, well, we had a very interesting conversation about the pandemic and Kevin has a very empathetic way of broaching the subject and you know there are so many people who are anti-science or anti-vax but Kevin framed it that they've probably been wounded in some way and I, I love that you know I, I started off this pandemic extremely angry about you know at people who wouldn't follow the direction that we were given on how to protect one another I was very angry that was uh a very difficult time for me. I was afraid for you. I was afraid for me. I was afraid for our kids and, and people that weren't willing to follow direction were very frustrating to me. Right. And it's actually, you know, as with most good things, it, uh, as with many good things, uh, any insights that I've, I've, I've gotten, you know, come from having made a lot of mistakes and also the teaching of elders, you know, we have a lot of indigenous knowledge keepers, elders and elderly people in indigenous communities who are afraid of the vaccine. Okay? And as frustrating as it may be for me, simply because I love them and I want them to be safe, I have to respect that this isn't Facebook science that's causing them to be afraid. This isn't the, the voice of a couple of you know, big personalities with an agenda. These are people who have lived a life of needing to mistrust the government to mm -hmm. survive. Very nuanced discussion. Kevin has a great perspective there. I'd love to hear more. Well, yeah, we can't share the full conversation here. Obviously, we don't have the time for the full hour. But uh, to hear the full conversation, you can visit becauseandeffect.org. So B-E-C-A-U-S-E-A-N-D-E-F-F-E-C-T.org. Or search Because and Effect anywhere you get your podcasts. Did Kevin have anything else to say about the pandemic? Well, we talked about mental health and, and how the isolation affected people and what he had to say was really, really interesting. There's a reason why uh, isolation, you know, solitary confinement in prisons is considered cruel and unusual under Canadian law. It's because it's a type of torture to lock human beings away from each other. We needed to do this to survive as a species, to not cripple our, our you know, our ICUs and our healthcare system 
absolutely necessary, but we've been wounded, I think, as a, as a species by this. One of the fundamental needs is to love and be loved. And uh, man, there's a lot of people that have had to live without that. There's a lot of people that have been trapped in situations, domestic situations, you know, families that have experienced oppression and social isolation and poverty that have had to be in, in very, very sometimes unsafe, high stress, high conflict situations for a long period of time. Man, oh man, you know, uh, my heart breaks for people. Yeah. There's so many people that have been isolated from the living world, from Madea Ake, kind-hearted Mother Earth, right? Because of, you know, guidelines, you know, weren't able to, downtown Winnipeg, weren't able to get outside and, and, and walk around and feel safe. This is, this is huge. I think more than anything, uh, this is a time where we need kindness for each other, not that anger. Right? This is a, a time where we need to be gentle with each other as much as we can when we go out through our masks, you know, when we only can see this much, <laughs> um, to offer those smiles and those kind words and those thank yous and, uh, you know, to, to be a little bit gentle with each other, it, it, it matters. With every guest, the Just Because segment at the end of each podcast is a beautiful glimpse into the causes they care about. What was a highlight from Kevin Lamoureux's Just Because? Sure. Well, the Just Because segment is the same seven questions I ask to all of my guests with questions like, you know, what's the first cause you ever cared about or what do you want to be remembered for or what's the best advice you've ever been given? And one of the questions is what advice would you give your 10 year old self if you could talk to him? And Kevin's answer was uh, emotional and really just beautiful. I would say I would uh, I would remind that little boy that um, I would remind that little boy that um, even though he's scared and hurt and uh, feels very frightened by the world, that he comes from people who continue to survive. And that if you can stay well long enough to um, continue walking down this path, that maybe you're going to find peace falling at night, being able to try and give some love to somebody else. Now, you know, that, that trauma, that growing up in the nightmare of being an indigenous half-breed in the North End in the 1980s, um, living in that world so unsafe, I've, uh, I've made many mistakes. So, and I've, I've caused a lot of harm and I've, I've done a lot of things that I should not have done. Um, but, and I, 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 don't, I don't diminish that. I don't diminish that. But to, again, remind myself that, remind that little boy that uh, you come from people who are survivors and that there's still opportunities to try and make amends by trying to do good in the world. Um, and don't lose sight of that because uh, there's so much beauty out there to be experienced and there's so much good to be witnessed. Um, people that are contributing to reconciliation today to ensuring that no other generations of kids have to go through that. Nolan, thank you for being on the show today. If our listeners want to hear the full episode with Kevin Lamaru, please visit becauseandeffect.org or search Because and Effect on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Nolan, thanks again for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Take care.
Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio. With today being the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day, it is a day of learning and reflection, but it should also be a day of action. Take time to read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 94 Calls to Action. You can find a PDF version on the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation website at nctr.ca. Read the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Final Report and Calls for Justice. You can find this online at mmiwg-ffada.ca. And consider making a gift to an Indigenous-led charitable organization. Some examples include APTN, Mama Wichita Center, Empowering Indigenous Youth in Governance and Leadership, or EGLE, Clan Mothers Healing Village, the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport and Recreation Association, which is also known as the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport Achievement Center, or WASAC, Nadinawe Maganag Endawad, Returning to Spirit, Wabung Abanujiag, Urban Shaman, Urban Circle Training Center, and Yellow Quill College. Those are just some of the amazing Indigenous-led organizations in Winnipeg, and there are so many more. And we also want to acknowledge the community groups that do not have charitable status at the moment, but have been and are continuing to do great work on a grassroots level. Please show your support for them as well. That's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. If you have any feedback about today's show or ideas for future stories, please email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. And I'm Sunny Pomolo. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Music